You want to tell me what's going on? <laughs> All. So you know, here's a here's a kind of a, a funny thing. So um, if people have an upset stomach, they generally take like a tablespoon of bicarbonate of soda and mix it with mm-hmm. water and drink it. And really, what it does is make you burp. But maybe that was the problem. I don't I don't know why anybody really does it. So mine was not in its usual place. And if you own restaurants or are a chef, everything must be put back exactly where it belongs because the guys that left at 11 o'clock last night do not know what I need at 6 a.m. because they don't do this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. If stuff like this gets to you, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. No, no. <laughs> I, was right, trying I, mean, to, I, I was trying to gauge your temper tantrums from when I first uh, knew you like 12 years ago to now. Oh, I'd have been, <laughs> oh, I would have been throwing a fit and I would have been accusing people of trying to sabotage me, all this. Other. And and the older I get, I'm just like, everybody's a dumb fucking teenager. Everybody. They're just <laughs> dumb and a teenager. Okay. Before we get into any serious stuff, I have a good one for you. Mm-hmm. So last night, in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Oklahoma City, for those of you who live elsewhere, um, the crazy lady that came to the village to complain about my language um, mm-hmm. was caught on camera, like on an anti-poor people's campaign. So they do not. You 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 went to school in Edmond, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. You the see average <laughs> the average home price there right now is four hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars oh wow in in a in a state where two house i mean two income houses make about 80 grand a year right so mm-hmm. the meeting last night was about affordable housing and they had a slew of people get up and basically say i don't give a shit about affordable housing i built this house i worked so hard at it and da 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 da, da. those people just have to live elsewhere and so I don't know who filmed all of them, but it's done very well on the formerly known as Twitter, now X. Oh. So they got X'd. They got X'd. They didn't get tweeted. They got X'd. Yeah. So, I'm going to throw up if you continue but, saying X'd. <laughs> I know. But so it is the same constituency that goes to the State Board of Education meetings, and they wear this this literally Chinese-made American flag black shit with 1776 written on it and all this. No. They, they've got the same $10 shirt from Walmart, all of them, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Botox and a stupid fucking hat to go along with it. I'm, I'm about done with this group. <laughs> I'm more irritated with them, and I wasn't even at the meeting than I am about three <laughs> tablespoons of bicarbonate of soda. So, yeah, it was pretty oh, fun. Good lord, dude. Hey, did you catch the prison video? The prison video? Where I was cooking the fish. Oh, the yeah, fish and you, where you were cooking. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. I did see that you were uh, cooking at a graveyard. <laughs> oh, yeah. So here's, here's a story. This lady is, um, we, we've dealt with her in politics for about eight or 10 years. And she's with the, one of the really smart groups that I deal with. I don't want to pinpoint her because, you know, I don't want anybody get anybody in trouble here. Um, it's a nonpartisan group. And she had asked me, she teaches basically a literature course for women in prison. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's great. Good for you. And she goes, well, we're getting ready to do um, English literature. And I go, good. That's awesome. You'll see my family in there a few times. <laughs> and so she goes, 
Well, what I was really thinking is I just want them to learn about, you know, England and you go, oh, you want to go, well, it's not England. It's the group of islands, but okay. Yes, let's mm-hmm. learn about England. And she goes, and would you be interested in making some fish and chips for them? And I, and I said, well, that place is like an hour or an hour and a half away from the city. I said, fish and chips doesn't hold like that. What, what they used to do in England is they'd serve it in newspaper and you just ate it as you left a bar. And by the end of it, all the gross stuff is then in the newspaper and you throw it away. Mm-hmm. She didn't understand. Didn't really understand what I was saying. But anyway, I go, let me drive out by the prison and I'll see if there's some place I can set up shop like a food truck, you know, set up shop. Mm-hmm. I make it. You drive it to the prison we've catered it it's a legal company with licensing and everything else we've catered it and they, instead they get hot fresh fish and chips so Amazing. i the place i could find was a graveyard <laughs> <laughs> so what i what i would tell any listeners look if you ever want to get something done on short notice for one find out what the laws are so you can go slightly around them just enough to follow them but not break them um, and then wear an orange safety jacket, a orange or yellow, the ones that you see people on street crews wear and have a clipboard, not a regular clipboard, the metal clipboard that flips up and holds paper inside. Cause that means, you know what the hell you're doing? <laughs> not a person, not a person spoke to me the whole time. Yeah. I was going to ask you, did the groundsman, the groundskeeper of the graveyard, like being like, what the hell is this guy doing here? <laughs> what? You've evidently been hanging out at nicer graveyards. I don't think this one qualified. <laughs> hey, the one by Penn Square Mall was like attached to that old That's, apartment that I used to live at. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't. I always wondered how that worked at night if they came in and haunted you guys every night or just once a week. <laughs> I think it was an every night thing. And there were times where we would go for walks in there till somebody told us that they saw something that resembled a wildcat. <laughs> I was like, all right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-huh. now i'm actually scared i'm not scared of the ghost but the wild cat got me yeah, yeah. No, the wild cat was the only thing that bothered me okay, i'm hindu sean i'm okay with ghosts <laughs> <laughs> actually so the the banshee of Sharon, if anybody sees it that is what it's about you know with mm-hmm. us irish people the the dead come back and talk to us on a pretty regular basis which freaks some people out i don't know why None of us know where the hell they go. I mean, we're we're all guessing. And yeah. Who's to say you you didn't guess better than me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all just my guessing. way is the right way because my way is righter than your wrong way because I said mine is right. <laughs> I'm gonna say the most racist thing you've ever heard me say because people go, "Yeah, white is right," mm-hmm. and you're like, "No, no, no! Please don't say that! Please, please don't say that!" <laughs> um. So they, look, the prison thing, this is this is kind of the thing that I would say to, to anybody listening. Like, they, there's no shittier place in the world to be than in prison. And, and the only place worse than that is prison on a holiday. And, uh, mm-hmm. and if you really, we, we all love to do things for the poor. Um, I like, and I'm not preaching. I'm just saying there's another level of poverty, which is called the forgotten. And I think in, in, in I don't know what in Indian terms what that would be, because it sounds like it's the untouchables, but yet they still have to go work to, every day, which is mm-hmm. even shittier. Like, <laughs> you're not in jail, but we're going to treat you like you are. Mm-hmm. I, I, Just in I the normal cannot, world. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I cannot make sense of that here. I mean, I literally just can't. So anyway, they will talk about, they got something to talk about in jail for months now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we'll see how it all how it all breaks down. But anyway, that's that's all my stuff. I didn't want to take up the whole show on my stuff. Hey, cheers. Talking about prisons, do you remember there was a guy who once asked me if uh, we can run a sales team out of a prison because it was oh, cheaper yeah. labor? Yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. So the way that, that works, so um, in, before people took all of the telephone answering services over to India, they ran them out of American prisons. And so here's here's the thing. Prison reform people would go, man, you can't do that. And you go, okay, they got a job every day. And at the end, they, yes, it's shit money, but they got some money when they get out. And the other way is to give them nothing, have them do nothing. And I'm, I'm really one of those people that's caught in the middle on that thing. I don't know if there's a, a right or wrong part to that, but yeah. I don't want the guy on a comp- access to like federal computers and they've done that and mm. it's not turned out well. <laughs> I mean, what, what the fuck could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. I call this house. Nobody answered. Maybe a good time to go in there. <laughs> right. Let me notify my friends. Exactly. So I, but that is common in Oklahoma. Um, we went the private prison route with a guy named governor Keating, who was a former FBI guy and private prisons are, are huge money. When you sign a contract with the state, especially those of you in India with your fast moving middle-class population. And when it maxes out, it starts to drop is when the crime picks up just so you can time this properly. Um, private prisons, uh, they they get a state contract saying that you have to fill them 95% full. And you know the Patel mm-hmm. family, wouldn't they love have somebody tell them their hotels could be 95% full every night? Because my deal is, if, if that family ran the private prisons, I would probably be okay with it. Because they can mm-hmm. run a goddamn hotel. They're good at it. I but I wonder if they're going to import some cheap labor from India and then fucking fuck that up. <laughs> that would be that would, of course, you know, something would go wrong eventually. But that so something like that, like one of the Patel family members that are really in the hotel thing, not not an outskirt mm-hmm. family member. I would have loved to have had on the jail trust. And when people are just talking shit, they go, let me tell you how this works for fifteen hundred people a day. This is exactly what you need. Here's Dave. He's my chief operations officer. He's going to tell you how to do it. And I don't want any arguments and nobody gets to say shit. I want that guy in the room. Or there's, actually girl. Someone you, there's actually someone you can talk to that we both know. I'll send you his number. I know. It's got yeah. most. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but that's, that's the thing is you go, we have the talent that's in our city. Yeah. And now he's got most. He could cover two things from the catering end and from the other end. You know, yeah. they make the homemade corned beef there, by the way. And not that that matters to anybody listening in India, but they make. Oh, that that could even be more taboo. Not only was it beef, we preserved it. <laughs> it was it was delicious. OK, when he opened that restaurant, Sorry, everybody. go see him. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, while we're on the beef thing, somebody was telling me about some tandoori beef, which I, I never got to eat that somebody I know makes. Oh, Hey, want to explain that one? To... Hey, By the way, that want was the time where you were on your anti-inflammation <laughs> thing oh, and you were no eating beef. red meat. That's the reason why yeah. I never gave it to you. I'm still not eating red meat. I, you know, <laughs> I'm old, bro. I'm, I'm doing good for old, but I'm still old. Hey, the um, let me ask you something. So, so like his family, did they mm. grow up in the hotel business running larger hotels or do they start them out with like the shitty ones and move up to a good one? How's that? How's that work? Culturally. So 
culturally, usually it depends on the oldest usually takes over the best one. Right. Or it starts off with the shittiest one and sees if he can implement new ideas. That's why I used to run into a lot of the guys who are like my age who realized that they never had a new website done in like 20 years and would get in touch with me to figure that out. Things like that. But they usually start them off at like a shitty performing one because the dad would still continue working right during that period. So he takes care of the main money makers. Right. And as they get old, as the dad gets older, he cuts down his responsibility and these guys come in. Yeah. Yeah. I keep thinking I get to do that. However, none of my kids work here. So it's not not working. (laughs) So, you know, it's not working. I I think, I think one day I'm just going to be in here with my oxygen mask on and my walker and my voice box. And then I drop over and die. I'm good with it. So uh, politics, politics, not exciting right now. We've, we've, uh, I've, I've got a meeting in Tulsa next week to go explain to people what's happening. So uh, we did a podcast yesterday and right before I got mm-hmm. on there, I get called from one of the black preachers in Tulsa and okay. the black preachers are the community members that if you need to talk to a specific subset of the community, that's who you go through. And this mm-hmm. guy was like, we are literally not getting any of the news that you were getting in Oklahoma city. Well, so they are unaware that literally this guy, our, guy in charge of the schools is under FBI investigation, under attorney general investigation, and is trying to take over their schools. And they don't know. So all this fuckery is going unknown to the community that it affects the most? The most. Well, black and brown. The brown community more than the black community, because a lot of them are immigrants and they don't speak English, but their kids do. And mm-hmm. you know, the schools here are way better than they were in Mexico. Yeah. So they you know, just assume the right thing's happening because everyone else around them seems to be doing okay. That's the mm. biggest affected community. The second biggest would be the black community. And and I don't know, whatever news it's being shared in there is not news they read. Do you think that the immigrant community there, like especially the Hispanic or the Mexican community also does yeah. the same shit that we do here, which is WhatsApp is the news channel? Do you think that's it, it why may, it's missing may, out? may very well. But then mm-hmm. they also do Univision and Telemundo for their news. And if you've ever watched those newscasts, they are trying mm-hmm. to scare the shit about shit out of you about machete robberies in San Salvador. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it's all, you know, oh, my God, look, people, you must be scared. And they, um, I, I mean, I, you just go, okay, that does happen. Once in a great while, but it is not a common occurrence. Yeah, they you know, make it they, seem like it's like you're walking down the street and you have to yeah. jump over a little bit of blood and get home. <laughs> right. Grandma went to go get some tortillas and she had to use them to fight off this criminal. But in their countries, that's how they stay in power. You know, they got to mm-hmm. scare the living shit out of them, act like everybody needs them. And for some reason, it works. No, yeah. I do not understand it, but, you know. I'm I'm from a country where if the police come in to say something to you in a place, you look at them and you go, are you Dave's brother? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, we don't pay attention to a damn thing they say. <laughs> because there's, Irish people are specifically irritated with petty crime charges. You know, you go, 
you really have nothing else to do. And we're not saying it to aggravate somebody who pulled you over in your car. We're saying yeah. it like, do you honestly not have anything else to do? And you go, <laughs> if you want me to buy you a drink, ask for a drink, but don't bother me in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I think we're like the Vietnamese community as well. Everybody knows each other. So mm -hmm. it isn't like you're rolling in and, and nobody knows you. <laughs> See, that's so, the thing, right? I, Any, in America, I've never been like stopped by a Indian police officer because I would have just looked at him and been like, how disappointed is your mother? <laughs> like, not even a financial advisor, doctor, engineer, <laughs> fucking police officer. <laughs> oh my God, that is awesome. <laughs> Shane, Shane, this is the best you could. Well, you know, that's a shit my dad would say to me. I didn't come to America for that. Mm -hmm. Same, same <laughs> shit. <laughs> it doesn't wow. say something about me that my humor and your dad's humor is identical. <laughs> it's the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, my so my, my dad dies and I'm at the funeral and one of my cousins comes up to me that we're kind of distant cousins, but we grew up with him when we were little. And he goes, mm -hmm. man, I tell you, your dad used to talk so well about you. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, God, all he did was talk about all the stuff that you were doing and this and this and this. And I go, surely you're kidding me. Really? And he goes, yeah, I mean, really proud of you and all this. And I go, I have never heard one of those comments <laughs> in my entire life. I have that same experience. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> Not once. I mean, I'm telling you, I and I wasn't taken back or flabbergasted because I know. So there's a there's a joke that says um, this this Irish husband loved his wife so much that he almost told her. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Same shit, right? Oh Lord. Today, you know, uh, oh, there's one thing that we have never talked about, and I don't know why uh -oh. it hasn't come up. I just watched the. Uh, What's the name of that movie? Roadrunner, the Anthony Bourdain story after he died. Oh, um, I do not believe that I, I don't know whether I watched that. I want to say I did, but then I didn't want to. So what do you, what do you want to talk about my favorite person? <laughs> I know it's your favorite person, right from Kitchen Confidential onwards, I guess. If, if there was um, ever, here's the thing. Um, the reason I like that guy so much, he was very well educated and, and not in a braggadocious way. His parents, um, I think at least one of them was a professor and, uh, and he chose to go into the craziest business in the world. But I always thought he had a way about him that connected with almost everybody he knew. He did not get along with Italian males in Italy. <laughs> and you That's go, it's just a bravado Right. You go, it's just a bravado thing. Don't take it personal. They, they don't like anybody that's competing with them for attention. And, mm -hmm. and he struggled with that. But not only did he talk in a weirdly street poetic, you know, pre-rap kind of uh, uh, poetic nature, which I just found intriguing. He knew mm -hmm. what he was doing, for one. But he also understood this real weird cog in life that he played. And I would say that the same thing for me. Most of the people that work in this industry um, don't have a voice in anything. And if yeah. you are the person that has the opportunity to speak for them, seeing as they never get to do it, um, and you're capable, like, like if God gifted you with that ability, 
and you mm-hmm. don't use it, what kind of a shame is that? Because our industry would go, God damn, dude, you were the only one that could do anything. Why did you not do something? Mm-hmm. And most people in regular life don't say that stuff to anybody. Um, yeah. So, so I don't, you know, when he got to the end of life and, uh, and mm-hmm. God knows he had the coolest job in the world. And, uh, but I think you and I talked about it before. I noticed he was drinking a lot more on his shows. And, and, you know, I'm in the business where we notice alcoholism, drug addiction, mental illness before most people, because we are face to face with people. And when something Mm -hmm. changes, we know it changed. So he gets to end of life and I'm like, man, he's, he's, he's got the coolest job in the world and it's not enough for him. And that is addict behavior. You're, you're always trying to grab this next thing. And then when you get it, it's still not enough. So you grab for something else. Um, and he'd made a marvelous life for himself for a former fucking heroin addict, you know, down and out on the yep. street and all this other stuff. That is a comeback story. But he also didn't um, seem like he was too proud, you know, with all those mm-hmm. accomplishments. But so the tie-in from my hometown is um, my sister went to school with um, the girl that became Kate Spade. And evidently, I don't know what their liaison relationship was, but there was something there. And she killed herself, you know, within a couple of months after he did. And Mm -hmm. I hope it's not a tragic Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, but, but her family struggled with mental illness when she was a kid. I mean, I knew her from maybe 12 years old to, well, until she died. Yeah, you've told me about that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the talent in the world, man. A billion dollar company. And mm-hmm. I have to be honest with you, I never I never knew she had a dad. And I'm not saying this to be insulting or anything else. The neighborhood moms took care of me because her mom um, um, just kind of was absent. It's probably the best way to say that. And her and her sister, and, and they both turned out really successful and nice. Her sister's name is Eve. Um, okay. But they're, you know, real, nothing really crazy um extraordinary you know you want to think people in high school start to come into their own no they don't they come into their own when they're ready to come into their own you know and she went to fashion school and none of us thought anything ever going to fashion school you're like oh good let me know that works out damn it worked out yeah and she made beautiful purses i do remember someone once telling me that they wanted one of those and yeah. I'm like, check with Sean, he knows it. <laughs> You're probably, yeah, actually, <laughs> like, don't bother me with this shit. <laughs> yes, I, so the the last conversation I had with her, um, you know, she was in Kansas City and came into one of my restaurants. And and it was later at night, so it was, it was emptying out. And so I got to sit down with her. And she's like, well, have a drink with me. And I, go, oh, I gave that shit up a few years ago. And she was like, God, good for you, especially in this business. You know, mm-hmm. it's and, and and I don't think she was the one that gave me the, it's a party every night lecture. But okay. I also at the time did not understand her success. I knew she was successful. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how big mm-hmm. worldwide brand from a little girl running around whose other moms were looking out for. I mean, that's mm-hmm. both of them. I think, you, I think you told me the story of where uh, your mom used to take care of even her when you were a kid or something like no, that. Or was not, it like a no, group those of- were the group of moms in her neighborhood. That was, that was a different school. So we have a Catholic school every mile. And uh, mm-hmm. so the, the neighborhoods fill up that mile. I only knew her from school. So I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate my okay. importance in her life. Um, 
the 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 Travi family, who were a family that lived in her neighborhood, were the one of the ones that because they had a big old huge family, they'd just go over to their house and do whatever. But I didn't know, and I really mean this because you know, as a kid, you go in and out of everybody's houses and all this other stuff. I never saw her outside of when I was dressed like a girl in their school, hanging out for the day and at parties and after stuff outside. Mm. And we were friendly friends, but you know, in high school, you have a hundred people that you're friendly friends with. So I don't want to say it was any more or less than anybody else, but I'm, I am fascinated and thrilled. She got to do what she did, but what a tragedy for both of them. Cause those were incredible lives and his didn't become incredible till after he was 50. Yeah, so, when so did. there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> when did his uh, Kitchen Confidential come out? That was like way. So, you, you had to be close to 15 years ago because I remember mm -hmm. reading it. And for people who don't know, it's a book by Anthony Bourdain called Kitchen Confidential. And I had owned two top 100 in America restaurants by then. And mm -hmm. I read it and I was like, holy shit, why would anybody write this down? And I didn't mean it like, oh my God, our secrets are out there. <laughs> I always thought a bunch of that stuff was common knowledge. Don't buy fish on Monday. You know, they got it in last mm -hmm. Thursday. Don't don't buy fish in a restaurant on Monday. And let's ask them, go, was it frozen? That's the yeah. time that you want frozen fish. You don't want fresh. Because mm -hmm. if you live in the middle of the country, all the fish comes in on Thursday. Yeah. You got you to pay a premium for the rest of that shit. But I loved that guy's honesty he had a level of rot gut honesty that are you familiar with the the uh the poetry writer named bukowski charles bukowski yes i have i've heard of it charles, charles was a drunk and he smoked way too much but if you go onto youtube charles bukowski mm -hmm. listen to some of his stuff those two should have been friends Hey, I'm pretty sure it was you who sent me some poem or something he was reciting on the YouTube clip years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but see, once again, I don't know what I have in common with those guys, but I feel a commonality. And that's why Burdain was so successful. Most chefs are pricks and they're real military, you know, barking orders and stuff. And he understood that it's like the human brain. You have all these synapses everywhere and you got to figure out how to make them work properly. But he had respect for the lowest people in the jobs because mm. those are the most important. That's the shit we don't want to do. You know? Yeah. I washed dishes two Saturdays ago here when we didn't have a dishwasher for about five hours. And you know mm. what? It gets you a new, new respect for it at the end of the night. Hey, I've done it once at your place, okay? But it was for 15 minutes, I think. And it was something I probably made and ruined your kitchen with. <laughs> no, you know, the thing is, though, Deepak, anybody should do it just to see what happens. You know, yeah. you leave all this stuff behind for somebody to clean up. How does it work? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Literally, yeah. how does it work? Especially in a society that you guys live in where you have servants everywhere. You know, I mean, you oh, gotta. Do you know there are so many well, times where we eat outside, and I have to look at like my friend and be like, "Hey, can you stop making a mess?" And he's like, "What is your problem?" <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, just knock it off. <laughs> I'll explain later." Because yeah. <laughs> he'll always well, see me neatly arranging plates so that the bus boy could take it away later, and all of that nonsense. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
but I don't, um, and, and I, I get how formal service works because I've owned those restaurants, worked in those restaurants and everything else. Sorry, I'm opening my back door. Rachel and I are driving to um, Springfield. Yes. <laughs> this Is that morning. Missouri? Rachel. Sorry. No. Nope. <laughs> I was just out front. It's Rachel. We're on, we're doing our podcast. Say good morning. Hi. <laughs> I think somebody hid my bicarbonate of soda. So I had a rather stressful morning. Um, so here's here's kind of that the thing on that. If you if you go to a restaurant and um I'm trying to think of who the person was. And I think it was Henry Ford. He would take people out to eat and he'd watch how they treated the servers. Cause that's how you're going to treat employees. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how you're going to treat them. And, and he would hire or not hire. If he got it down to two people and it didn't matter if you had table manners, were you polite? Were you respectful? Because the people that can do the most damage in your business are the lower level employees because Hey, if that that's like a flat tire. If one of those goes south, you you got nothing. So I always I always appreciated Bourdain's view of of all of that stuff. And and he took really the the pictures in restaurants that people never get are how we really eat in the kitchen, which is it's usually over a trash can. You know, mm -hmm. we've got a sandwich, we've got to eat. Dinner service is starting in ten minutes, and you're you know we and it's all delicious, but we don't have the time to go. Dang, that is delicious. I mean, I eat delicious food every day. Most most mm -hmm. most Caucasians do not. <laughs> That's like the times where you ask me if I wanted something to eat, and I'll be like, "What's in the back?" <laughs> exactly. And what I'll sneak you into having? the kitchen with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you're having. What is your chicken? I'm not going to brutalize it on here because people will make fun of me. The uh, the you literally okay. Oh my god, you have competition. So uh -huh. there is a restaurant chain called Port of Peri Peri, P-E-R-I, P-E-R-I. Mm -hmm. I told you your chicken was the most delicious chicken I've ever eaten in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And you have a, you now have a competitor. I, bastards. <laughs> I have never, ever eaten in a restaurant where, I mean, I was, I was eating that chicken bone like a, like a cheap hooker. It was, <laughs> Way to go, Sean. Yeah. Now I have to mark this episode as explicit. <laughs> oh. Well, I didn't do any description of it. No. I just said the word. Um, yeah, you gotta, when you get back here, but it's, I, I don't know who owns it, but it's Portuguese, uh, was where it started in Portugal, and it's okay. African bird chilies that they do their marinades and everything with, and I am shit man that that was the stuff right i wonder if it has any relation to the what the hell is that uh chicken in london because i'm pretty sure it's like either oh. jamaican or east african i'm not sure what the background is well there's like a then it's probably some there. similar mm -hmm. and, and you know it's like anything you look at something like that and you go well it's probably a popular marinade where they're from just none yeah. of us have had it and man, so so the weird thing was the guy working the desk was was great, but he was like, yeah, the potatoes are changed. You're like, no, they didn't. But the chicken, <laughs> everything else was good. I guess but if you eat it was... every day, you're going to be like, yeah, the French fries are bomb. <laughs> because you've just been gnawing <laughs> on that chicken all week. <laughs> so what you need to do is put the French fries under where the chicken is roasting and have all that stuff drip on. Now you got some shit. That's... Oh, yeah. Oof. 
I would eat that, dude. Like, <laughs> Kathy and I, Kathy and I went there on accident, and it's been open in like two years, and I'm really embarrassed. But the outside of it looks like a furniture store, like a futon store. It doesn't look like a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, those are like the best places to eat at, where it looks like someone <laughs> lives there in the night. <laughs> <laughs> but, so when you get back we got to do that one that that was that was that was stellar and the odd thing was is you go to a restaurant called port of peri peri and you think you're going to run into a bunch of you know yuppies and shit uh we were the only two white people in there i was like oh, i have no. found something i have found something do you think people <laughs> think that we're racist if we open the door and we look inside and we just see a bunch of white people both you and i just shut I'm the door out. and be like let's eat somewhere else <laughs> You know, they probably do, and I wish people understood that, because the most upset I ever was eating with you is when we were in that Mexican place, and they put us in a white people's room. Oh, yeah. And I speak Spanish, I speak Spanish and they put me in with the other folks. They were like, okay, we, were, don't know what, we don't know what combination of accent and white person this is who speaks Spanish. <laughs> we are going to throw both of them in that room. <laughs> They, they were punishing us for your British accent is what I tell myself. Doesn't mean it's true, but that's what I'm telling mm -hmm. myself. Because they gave us like the plain bland salsa, which they were oh, giving yeah. the other white folk. And I was like, dude, right. what the hell is the other four options that I usually get in here? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then and then they felt like aggravated because we because, you know, then everybody else sees it and goes, well, we didn't get any of that. Mm -hmm. Probably gave it to that guy. Right. <laughs> okay. So my my before we get off of Anthony Bourdain entirely, my favorite quote of his was talking about MSG, how there's proven to be basically nothing wrong with MSG. And he goes, mm -hmm. you know, people were just out to eat. Some white guy didn't feel any better. And of course he blamed it on a Chinaman. He's like, God, oh, it must have been something the Chinaman did. And they've been eating MSG for a thousand years in everything. And but my, my, breast milk. <laughs> it's so that was my favorite because he didn't mind calling people out for the hypocrisy that existed. And he could do it in a way that really didn't make them never come back around him. But it was enough to mm. put him on notice that they didn't get to do that shit around. Him. I hope that makes <laughs> yeah. sense to the one Dirty. to one person. Right? <laughs> yeah, some other person like us probably nerds out on Anthony right. Bozain and yeah. listens to this. <laughs> my best thing was when he was in uh, Bali and they were playing like electronic dance music by the pool and he imitates it and he goes like, <laughs> he's like, can you hear that damn noise in the background? He's talking to like his camera crew right. <laughs> and he orders for sliders and they're like, are you seriously eating it? They're like, no, you eat that shit. <laughs> it's not for me type thing. <laughs> that's awesome the italy episode is something everybody needs to watch though he mm -hmm. you know he's not getting along with him he wanted an authentic crew and they are much more artistic they are not in a hurry to film it will take the time to get shots right very very un-american um mexican film cruiser if you need to make money that's who you want to use because they'll do shot after shot after shot and they just roll through the day on a 16 hour day and you're done with your film i mean they they're yeah. but you can also watch Mexican TV and go, hey, I can see that light in the background. Oh, I think I just saw that microphone. That's um, like the microphone that hangs over people's heads. Right. <laughs> that kind of shooting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So he uh, he tells them all he'll make dinner for him. And he makes mm -hmm. pasta. And it's not handmade pasta. And so <laughs> they literally won't eat it. And he is like, what do you mean you won't eat it? And, you know, he's thinking, I'm a New Yorker. I made this my whole life. They wouldn't touch anything he ate. 
<laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. Yeah, crazy shit. I know. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, let me turn my bread around here real quick. Rachel's still we're waiting like, for me in the other room. Really? Like four yeah. minutes out, too. I hope oh, I'm not cool. keeping you guys. Rachel, four minutes. Oh, you're good. You're not keeping us. The, the soda is what caused the problem. I cannot leave until the bread is done. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, <laughs> believe me, the bread is in charge right now. Um, hey, there, we're almost there. So we are going to Springfield, Missouri, and she's getting a car. And so nice. I am Rachel's ride or die friend when she needs somebody to ride along with her across <laughs> the United States. I am for some reason always willing. But we, where are we going? What's the truck stop we're going to? There's an Indian truck stop that had, I would, I would put it up there that their chicken biryani was as good as most I've ever had. And we had butter chicken at the oh, grossest. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I know this place. <laughs> <laughs> it's right Isn't by it Punjabi. It's like a Punjabi guy who runs it. It's a Punjabi. Yeah, you're right. Like, is that what Correct. is it Punjabi? Is that the the hat? I mean, not the yeah. hat. This it's they don't ever cut their hair. They're from Punjab. They're Sikhs, but yeah. we call them Punjabi, just so that okay. it's people from that region. All right. So you know what language to use is my guess on that whole deal. But yeah, so the food was dynamite, and I said I'll go with you, but we got to stop there. So <laughs> I may be eating some Indian food in about three hours. We'll see what they yeah. do for breakfast. Yeah, I have no idea what they do for breakfast, but we'll see. <laughs> They probably do Any make idea. something good. Everything is always delicious. That's not the problem. It's whether you can make it you know, <laughs> the whole drive. <laughs> yeah, it's the I'm actually, I actually had street food last night, like kebabs from the road, and I'm just paying for it all day type shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it, sound, it was so delicious. It sounded like such right. a brilliant idea because it was like $2 for like random yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. And, and now it's $10 worth of toilet paper. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I would say Taco Bell should give a roll of toilet paper with their late night food. And nobody mm -hmm. ever thinks it's funny, but I think it's <laughs>